Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, In the last days we'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Kingdoms shall rise against kingdoms and nations against nations. On today's program, we're going to go into the scriptures to see how the enemy has been preparing for the biggest war the earth has ever seen. Join me today on The End Time Show. Hello and welcome to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell and as you can see, Vince isn't here today. Uh, You know, after we were gone to Israel and everything, he did the show by himself for two weeks in a row. So he really kind of deserves a break, I think. But he's actually home today taking care of his family. They're fighting a stomach bug. And so, uh, Vince, if you're watching, we're praying for you and Kate and the kids for a speedy recovery in Jesus' name. So, uh, you guys, Vince likes to have us put uh, tags in the comments and Facebook to help our algorithms. So, if uh, if you're listening, put in there, uh, praying for Vince and family, and we'll appreciate that. So... We're going to talk today about a subject that, um, you know, I know a lot of people might have tuned in thinking I'm going to talk about World War III or the Sixth Trumpet War today, but that's actually not what we're going to talk about. We're going to jump into Scripture uh, and start uncovering some of this because I've got a lot to talk about in the program today and a lot to cover. So I hope we get through it all, but we know that the Battle of Armageddon will happen at the end of the final seven years. And Jesus will return. He'll set up his kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years. So that's really where I want to focus today. Satan has been preparing for this war since creation. And I just want to talk for a second, tell you this. that I talked to a gentleman that was involved in uh, Desert Storm. And also, uh, right before Desert Storm, there was Desert Shield. It was a five-month program where they set up and they gathered the troops together, the allied forces. And while they did this, they were um, strategically doing like little terror exercises to the enemy to scare them so bad that to let them know that when the war did start in five months that um, they really should just surrender because it was going to be literally hell on earth for them. And so this veteran I talked to, he said, during Desert Shield, they were told, don't engage with the enemy, but we're going to do terror campaigns. We're going to scare them into surrendering when this war starts. And if you remember, when Desert Storm actually started, troops just surrendered in mass. They came walking up. Uh, I remember CNN having cameras there and these soldiers just walked up with their guns up over their head and surrendered because they were scared to death of what was coming. And so um, this is the same way that Satan works as he's been preparing uh, for this end time battle plan since the beginning of creation. So that's what I want to talk today about. Some of the, the things the devil has been doing since creation to prepare his troops and get him ready for this battle. So... Some believe that Satan may have been a high-ranking angel. Others say that Scripture describing this is actually a symbolic view. It's only symbolic. It's not the actual facts. However, the facts remain that the devil is a very real created being and did not want to worship God, but instead he wanted to be God and have others worship him. So we're going to look at a few Scriptures here, starting with Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. And it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Well, Lucifer here means light bearer. Okay, so we know that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So, Lucifer, light bearer. How art thou 
cut down to the ground, which doth weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, and in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. In Ezekiel, he mentions uh, the, a, a king there, and he's talking in Ezekiel twenty-eight thirteen through 17. It says, Thou hast been in Eden the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy timbrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of the merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and will destroy thee, O covering cherub, in the midst of the stone of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of the brightness and I will cast thee to the ground, and I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So to try understand, to understand this a little, let's just imagine for a moment that the devil was this anointed cherub as the scripture describes. So what is a cherub? Cherubim are those angelic beings that exalt God at the throne. Revelation 4 8 through 9 gives us this description. The four beasts that had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. So that gives us an explanation of what these beasts kind of look like and what a cherub is. We don't really see that they're called cherub in that scripture in Revelation. But in Ezekiel 10, if you go and read that chapter, that chapter explains the same beast and it tells us that they're cherubim. So if Lucifer was a cherubim and not only was he a cherubim, but he had things like tambourines and pipes, it sounds like he might have even been involved in worshiping God with music and with his voice. So the devil could have been uh, actually like a worship leader in heaven. So looking at that, it explains to us why he hates us so much, why he hates Christians. Uh, it's because of this he wants to make war against us because we were given his job. His purpose is now ours. That's what we do as Christians. We worship God in our voice and in song and with our prayer, all the things we do, we were created specifically for this. If anybody ever tells you what's the meaning of life and why were we created, well, there it is right there. We were created to have a relationship with God, to commune with God, to pray and worship God. That's the whole reason why we were there. If the devil was in charge of doing that, 
and lost that place at the point where he was sent um, to the garden and, and not allowed to be a cherub anymore, well, then there's no wonder why he hates us so bad. So we're looking at this today to see how all this came about and where it's going to end up at that Battle of Armageddon. So when we get back, we'll dive a little bit more into it. But um, I just wanted to kind of set it up in this first segment. The second part, we're really going to get into the scripture. So stay with me and uh, I'll join you after the break. understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. Time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, I probably should let you know I'm not going to be taking phone calls today since I'm here by myself today and I really have a lot of information that I felt like I needed to cover. I actually, I didn't know that I would be doing the program by myself today, but uh, when I found that out, I was on my way in this morning uh, when Vince let me know that he had a sick family he needed to take care of. And so I felt like the Lord was really giving me this uh, to talk about today. And so uh, that's why I've got so much here that I want to cover. So I was talking about uh, how the um, the devil was actually a uh, possibly a cherub that was in charge of worshiping God that was uh, one of the lead angels there uh, that lost his ranking because of his 
desire to be worshipped instead of worshipping God, to exalt himself above God, well, that's not going to change. We're going to see as we get into Scripture, especially in the New Testament, where we understand that that's still what the devil wants for this end time. We can look around our world right now and we can see how he wants to take focus off of God and he wants himself to be um, the primary source of attention. We're seeing after-school programs where children have Satan clubs that they're going to, and they're okay with this in school districts. They're allowing this to happen like an after-school program uh, where before uh, we, we used to have Christian organizations and YMCAs and things like that that people could go to that were Christian-oriented. Now we're beginning to see those replaced by these Satan clubs and by even uh, people who worship the devil who are designing clothes and putting them in our retail stores and things like that. So the devil is very much staying on point of what he wants in the world. So why is this important to us as concerning the Battle of Armageddon? Well, I want to look at a little bit more in-depth scripture today. The Bible tells us that the devil has been trying to destroy God's creation since the Garden of Eden. So when he distorted God's word, he deceived Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.14, this is what the Lord said to the serpent. It says, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, Cause them to fall, okay? Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thy dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this actually happened on Calvary when Jesus uh, was crucified, but then rose again three days later and destroyed um, the enemy and he destroyed um, the the law of sin. And so um, we see now that um, because Jesus did this on the cross, that he actually gave us redemption and he gave us new life. This is something the devil actually Hates. So this is why we see the world in such a mess as it is today. The devil hates us and wants to destroy us. He doesn't want us to have that relationship with God. Remember, Adam and Eve were in paradise. They were in the Garden of Eden, and it was perfect there. And they had everything they wanted, and they had communion with God in the cool of the evening. It says that God would come and walk with them in the garden. That's what the devil wanted to destroy. He wanted to mess that up, and he did so by introducing sin to them and then by encouraging them to fall into that sin at the fall of man. So the Bible tells us Adam was the son of God. I don't know if a lot of people understand that, but God made Adam from the dust and he was the first son of God. If you look at scripture, it tells us this in Luke uh, 3.38. It says, which was the son of Enos, talking about the line of of, uh, Jesus, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So Seth was the son of Adam and Adam was the son of God. So at the fall of man, when Adam and Eve fell, they sinned against God. Sonship was lost at that point, okay? We were no longer sons of God. We don't even hear about sons of God except for when it talks about angels until Jesus comes. Adam and Eve begin to have sons in their own likeness, okay? So since sonship was lost, we are separated from God, and it seemed like the devil had won at that point. He probably thought he had won. 
Um, but there wasn't another human son of God until Jesus was born. And Jesus said in Matthew uh, eighteen eleven, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Well, I remember one time uh, I was in the vehicle with Pastor Baxter and we were on a conference. We were driving somewhere and I told him, I said, you know, it's really cool how Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And what was lost was sonship. He came back to restore sonship. And that was what was lost. That's what he came to seek and save. It wasn't just to seek and save those that are lost, but he came to seek and save that which was lost, which was sonship. God wants us to be a son. And Brother Baxter said, man, that's really good. Where did you hear that? I said, you taught it to me in your lesson. Uh, sonship restored. Satan defeated, sonship restored. And he said, man, that was pretty good. I'll have to go back and watch that. So it was one of those amusing times, but it was something he taught me that just stuck in my mind. And it's been something that uh, has always given me encouragement. And this is what Jesus did. The whole reason why God robed himself in flesh and he died on the cross and was buried and resurrected was to restore sonship to us. And John 1, 12 tells us, But as many as receive him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So right there it tells us that's what the word came to to do. When he came to be with us, it was all to restore us back to sonship. Well, the enemy wants to keep us from becoming sons of God. So what is he doing? He's preparing for a war. He's been doing this for a very long time. Think about what Jesus says the last days will be like. Uh, He said that it'll be like the days of Noah and it'll be like uh, the days of Sodom. In Luke 17, uh, 26 through 30, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did drink, they did marry They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, it shall be as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But that same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. So, What does that mean? When we look at what it says about Noah's days in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thought on his heart was only evil continually. So that's all they thought about were evil thoughts continually in the days of Noah. In Lot's day, it says in Genesis 18, um, it says, starting in verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. Well, we know what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. We've talked about it many times on this program. And we see that that's where we're heading now, not only in this world, 
I mean, we talked about it today in, in prayer and devotion that uh, Jerusalem had a huge gay pride parade right after we left Jerusalem. And we were talking about, man, we were so glad that we left before that happened uh, because we left there with such a, a sense of, of wonderful and, and beauty and graciousness in God. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, that trip was amazing. And by the way, they're already signing up for the new trip that's going to happen uh, in uh, October, I believe. So you, you need to contact us here at End Time if you're interested in going to this next tour before it begins to fill up because it's amazing and you'll love it. Uh, but anyway, this is where we're heading. And, and even here in the United States, I mean, you look at some of the headlines that are going on right now. Uh, Biden is going to host thousands at a White House pride party. This comes from the Jerusalem Post and it's in today's paper. It says Biden to host thousands at White House pride party. Biden, a Democrat, will host thousands of people on the White House's South Lawn for the evening celebration of the LGBTQ plus families. President Joe Biden will host the largest White House Pride Month celebration in history on Thursday in uh, deliberate contrast to a cascade of Republican legislation and other attacks targeting LGBTQ plus people. Biden will also announce new measures to help schools and LGBTQ kids navigate book bans, community center fight threats, and transgender youth access for better care uh, as a domestic policy. So that's just a brief uh, content from that story from the Jerusalem Post. But when you look at that, in the White House, he's actually got the lights in the hallway of one of the parts of the White House there, and they're all lit up in rainbow colors as he's preparing this. And remember, when, uh, when President Biden was in office, he actually lit up the outside of the White House in the rainbow colors for the Pride Month. And so uh, we've, we've seen our country uh, slowly turn uh, toward this. And we know, like I said before, that that was Sodom's crime. I mean, the word sodomy comes from Sodom. And so uh, you understand where that comes from. So another uh, paper that was out from uh, this from Breitbart that says that SPLC puts Moms for Liberty, other parental right groups on the hate map. So because they're standing up for their kids uh, and not wanting these homosexual books in their classes, in their libraries, at their schools, this Moms for Liberty group has been put on a hate list. The Southern uh, Poverty Law Center, which is what the SPLC stands for, an organization that frequently lists mainstream conservatives alongside hate groups like the Ku Klux Klan folks. So they're putting Christian conservative groups alongside the Ku Klux Klan. They place Moms for Liberty and other parental rights groups on this hate map for being anti-government extremist groups. So that's what we're being labeled now. So we're watching lines being drawn. We're watching uh, a spiritual battle that's taking place already in this country. This spiritual battle at one point is going to flow over into the natural, into uh, the physical world that we live in. And we're going to look at scripture explaining that. But this is uh, what's going on in our world. So this article actually says this was wrong quoting Bible in public uh, a Christian gets arrested. So this comes from the WND 
uh, World Net Daily. On June 3rd of 2023, a man uh, was detained by the police in Pennsylvania at a pride event after arriving with a sign explaining that Jesus said, go and sin no more. So he just has a sign. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Uh, This quote from the article says, Today, as my family was driving out for a reading for the family adventure, we saw that there was a pride rally at the City Hall building in the reading city. I saw two Christian protesters out there, and so I pulled over and came out to support and encourage them. I preached for 10 minutes or so until a tyrant cop laid hands on me and threatened to arrest me if I continued. Ten minutes later... Another Christian protester came out and he stood his ground against the cop and got arrested. There's video out there of this footage where you can actually see what happened, but that's what's going on in our country where we should have free rights. We should be able to stand on the opposite side of a street from a, from an event like this and protest if we want to. Uh, that's our right as uh, American citizens, but it's also our right as a Christian to be able to uh, to do this and protest against that. But we can see how these things are beginning to shift even in our own country, that we're moving from a Christian nation to a nation more like Sodom and Gomorrah. These are only a few things that's going on, folks. There's all kinds of things happening every day. We talk about it on this program and try to bring you abreast of it so that you understand that this is a very real battle that we're fighting, even though it's a spiritual realm battle right now, and we're fighting it with the uh, the armor of God and the warfare of prayer and being in the Word of God and being able to share things like this with one another and help encourage people so that everybody knows what's going on. But this is getting us ready uh, to, to see what that final battle is going to be like. Uh, just as the Scriptures say that Lucifer wanted to be exalted above God, He'll do this again in the earth. So we'll see a shift from the things that are happening spiritually, like I said before, to these things that are going to happen in the natural. So we understand from Scripture that the Antichrist will come on the scene very soon. One of the most important scriptures that talks about this is Daniel 9.27. We talk about it all the time. It's one of those prophecies that we see staring us in the face, and it could happen at any time. It's Daniel 9.27. It says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for an overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate. So, after agreeing to a peace treaty between Israel and the Palestinians, that's what that confirmation of the covenant is about, and the sharing arrangement of the Temple Mount, allowing the Jewish people to build their third temple and start animal sacrifices, the Antichrist will break that agreement three and a half years into it. And then he sets up the abomination of desolation. So what is the abomination of desolation? Well, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1-4 through 4, gives us a little bit of information about this. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be in trouble, neither by spirit or by word, nor by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, 
so that he, as God, sat in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this is the same exact thing that the devil wanted from the time that we read about in Isaiah and Ezekiel. He wanted to exalt himself above God. So when he comes in the the final three and a half years of this earth, he's going to come in that physical form of the Antichrist and he's going to do the same thing. We're going to head to break right now. When we come back, we'll jump back into this and show you more proof that this is what's going to happen. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. I'm alone here today, and we're just kind of going through a a study that I feel like the Lord gave me about uh, how the Antichrist and how the devil are working together. And this is something that uh, the devil's been working on since the the dawn of creation is trying to destroy what God created uh, as good, and that's communion with him. And the devil wants to destroy that, and he's willing to uh, take it to war. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, a little bit more in depth. We talked before the break about how uh, the confirmation of the covenant is actually when the Antichrist comes on the scene, declares that he is God, stands in the temple, a new built temple there in Israel, and declares that he is God and to be worshipped as God. This is something that the devil's always wanted and he's going to continue to try to get this. We'll look at more scripture here in a minute, but I want you to understand also, folks, that some of the part of warfare that's going on is uh, terror. I talked about that a little bit, how we even used a terror campaign before uh, Desert Storm happened in what was called Desert Shield. And that terror war was actually to, to put fear in the enemy so when the actual war started, they would uh, just surrender. They would be so afraid they would surrender. Well, folks, that's what's going on in the world today, too. Uh, don't let it surprise you when you hear all this terrible stuff coming out in the media trying to tell you there's there's more pandemics coming that you've got to have this this new uh, passport that's a, 
a COVID ID and vaccine passport that the EU set up. Yeah, all these things are coming at us, but that's a fear campaign as well. They want you to believe that COVID's coming back. They want you to believe that we're going to starve to death. They want you to believe that they're destroying all of these food processing plants and all these things are happening. And they're putting that out in the media so that you can see all this and it can create fear. And then people get scared. And instead of relying on God, we begin to want to rely on who can help us. Uh, one of the stories me and Vince uh, were going to cover on Tuesday we didn't get to is the Europe actually in London. They're trying a new program where they're going to take 30 people and they're going to just give them a paycheck for doing nothing. And what that's going to do, folks, it's a social experiment to get these people fixated on the government helping them and being their only source of income so that they rely on the government for everything. And that's what they want us to do. See, this is a system that is run by Satan. Uh, this, this whole thing is being run by the devil. Uh, we see that in Revelation chapter 13 when we look at that. And it says that the dragon gave this world government its power, its seat, and great authority. It's all demonic and driven by Satan. And so that's what the devil is is trying to do in this time. That's why we're seeing all the things happen in the media. We're seeing all these uh, alarming stories that are starting to get people scared and make people wonder, well, how can America really be the wings of the eagle if we're going down this road too and we're following the same path? Don't get scared. God's in control. Okay, His word is true and his word tells us what we need to be doing and we don't need to be afraid in this time that's coming right now there's churches all over the place folks that are gearing people up to be raptured out of here and we don't believe that's what scripture says we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute but instead of gearing you up to be raptured out of here before bad things start to happen we're trying to gear people up to be in evangelism mode we need to go out and begin to preach the gospel of jesus christ we need to bring other people into the kingdom of god we need to build the kingdom of god and continue to build it So we don't need to be afraid, okay? So before the break, before I go off on some tangent here, let me pull myself back in. Uh, Before the break, we talked about how um, the uh, Antichrist will exalt himself. And so we're going to look at some more proof of that. So in the Old Testament, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 and 36, it confirms the same thing Paul was telling us in 2 Thessalonians. It says, speaking of the Antichrist, starting in verse 31, And arms shall stand on his part, And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and shall put in place the abomination that maketh desolate. So once again, backs up Daniel 9.27, backs up what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians. And then verse 36 says, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that is determined must or shall be done. So it lets us know that he is preparing for this and it goes along with the same thing uh, that Paul tells us is going to happen at the revealing of that Antichrist. Okay, so this is actually the same event that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. I'm not going to take time to read it today. You can go there and read it for yourself. It's Matthew 24, 15 through 21. We talk about it often here. But that he says that the event, the abomination of desolation that Daniel speaks of, is going to start the Great Tribulation. 
Okay, so this is actually going to begin in the physical, okay? That's happening in the physical realm. Another significant battle is happening at the same time as the, the abomination, I guess, of desolation in the spiritual realm. It's called the war in heaven, okay? Revelation 12 speaks about this war. I can't read the whole chapter today, but let's just hit some high points from it. So we're going to look at Revelation 12, uh, 7 through 9, starting with verse 7. It says, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. So let's talk about that for a second. We talked about how uh, Lucifer was actually a cherubim. In, uh, we talked about it in Isaiah and Ezekiel earlier. Well, this here says that he loses his place in heaven, which means he can't go back into heaven. Scripture tells us in this same chapter that he uh, accuses us day and night in front of God, but that we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb and we have the testimony of what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary and how he's renewed us and made us sons of God, the devil can't touch us, folks. He can't do that anymore. So anyway, keep reading here. In verse 9 it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. So that's how we know the dragon is the devil. And Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with them. Now see, remember, before this war happens, the devil had access. I just talked about how he accuses us day and night in front of God, right? But we also know from the book of Job that he came into a council of God with the angels and, and said, you know, that the Lord said, hey, where have you been? He said, I've been going in and out of the earth looking for whom I can devour. And he says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And so you can go back and read Job and you can see what uh, Job went through and how the devil tried to get him to blaspheme God and try to deny God and cuss God. And Job would never do it. And so that is um, a scripture that we can go back to to see that even though uh, the devil was a fallen angel, he hadn't lost his place to where he could come back into uh, the council in the midst of God until this war happens. Well, we can look at this event as it happens in the spiritual and the abomination of desolation. This will happen. The earth, it it triggers that great tribulation. We know that. And so we look now to see the timing of it and what happens. So Revelation 12, 12, this is what scriptures say about this happening around the time the abomination of desolation happens. Therefore, rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. But woe unto the inhibitors of the earth and the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he has a short time. So the devil has wrath here. He's angry because he knows his time is short. Now we're going to look at and we're going to see how short his time is. In verse 13 he says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. That's Israel. And to the woman were given the two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for, get this, a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's a three and a half year period. That three and a half years is that final three and a half years before Jesus comes back. So the devil's wrath 
is the Great Tribulation. And this war happens at the same time we get ready to see the abomination of desolation happens. And we actually feel like uh, that the devil will actually possess the Antichrist at that point. When he's cast out of heaven, he's bound to earth, that the Antichrist will then be filled with the devil's spirit at that point. That's what causes the abomination of desolation and the Great Tribulation to start. So this is when things really begin to heat up. The Antichrist and his world government army will make war. Okay, The Bible says there they come after the woman first. So they're going to come after Israel. But they also go after everybody who won't worship the, the dragon. So Daniel explains it like this. Let's look at Daniel seven twenty-five. It says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until... A time and times and the dividing of time. Once again, the same time measure that John used in Revelation 12. A time, times, and a half time, three and a half years. In Revelation 13, verse 4 through 8, we get this information. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with them? This world government military will be so strong. Everybody will wonder who can even fight back against this one world government and her military. And then we don't even uh, have just the physical there. We've got to deal with the spiritual. We have to deal with the power of Satan that he gives his power to seek and great authority to this. So in verse 5 it says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue Forty and two months. See, John uses a different measure of time there, but it's the same amount of time. Three and a half years. And verse 6 says, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, not everybody will worship the beast, just the people who's, who are not born-again believers. If, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, you're not part of that all. We get that question all the time. They say, all means all. Well, yeah, it does. All whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. There's going to be resistance and there will be consequences to those who choose to resist. Revelation thirteen nine tells us this. If any man have an ear, will let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is patience and the faith of the saints. So folks, I got a question for you real quick. Who are the saints there? Lots of folks say, well, those are tribulation saints. Well, there's no scripture that tells us that there was a rapture before these saints. This just tells us there's a seven-year period, and the first part looks like peace. There's going to be peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Israelis will be able to build their temple just north there of the Dome of the Rock. They'll be able to worship there and start animal sacrifices. But in the middle of that seven years, this Antichrist shows up. He stops those animal sacrifices. He causes the abomination of desolation. He expects people to worship him as God. And then this great tribulation starts. Okay, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, immediately after the tribulation of those days is when he sends his angels to gather his elect. 
And that's just one place. Anyway, some are going to fight against this and some are going to be arrested. That's what we just heard in that. But we got to be, uh, we, we as Christians need to patiently in, endure through this time. We've got to trust God. Uh, when we come back, we're going to jump back into a little bit more of this. I got a whole lot more to cover. And so I'm going to be flying through this last part. Stay with me, bear with me. We'll get through this together and we'll have hope at the end of all this. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to the End Time Show. I'm Doug Norvell. We, uh, we left there in the middle of some pretty heavy scripture. So I want to jump right back in there because, like I said, I really do want to get uh, to the end of this so that you see the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So the Antichrist will also have a partner during this time. He's called the false prophet. And he'll look religious, but he'll speak like that dragon. So he's going to look like a very holy person. He's uh, going to be somebody that people trust, uh, that they believe is a true Christian, but he's going to speak like the dragon. So, so think of it like this. He may lead a church, but he's pushing the agendas of the one world government. Does that sound familiar to anybody? kind of sounds familiar to me. There's some things like that happening right now in a lot of churches. Anyway, Scripture says he will lead people to worship the beast and to take the mark of the beast. In Revelation 13, 11 through 15, it says this, And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like the dragon. And he exalteth all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwelt therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. So the devil's given him this power, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. Think about that for a second. Which, would, uh, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of this beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So it's going to be a forced worship. You're going to be told you have to do this. Does, does verse 15 sound kind of familiar to you? It's kind of the same thing the devil tried to do on Babylon. 
In Daniel 3, it tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar made an image out of gold. And when the music played, everybody had to bow down to worship the image or they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But remember the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused because uh, they only worshiped the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they refused to do this. They said their God was able to deliver them, and they were bound up. They were cast into that fire. And um, when they were thrown into this fire, the, the king sees four men. This fourth looks like the Son of God, the Scripture tells us. Um, I remember it was just the other day a pastor there at our church was talking about this very event and saying he believed that God was already in the fire before the three boys were thrown in there because they couldn't have endured that heat without God being with them. And it, it reminded me as I was, I was talking to one of our um, production crew today and we were talking about, yeah, without God going before us, we really don't stand much of a chance. But God promised us he would go before us in the trials and the tribulations we go through. He's got our back, but he's leading us through those things. We've been told before in... in uh, interpretations here in the ministry when we've been praying that God has put a path before us and that he goes before us and that he allows us to stay on this path but we've got to keep our eyes on him and not get worried about what's going on in the world well that's the way Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were they didn't worry about that when they came out of this they didn't have a burn they didn't have a scratch on their bodies they survived this fire the only thing uh, that perished in that fire was just the, the ropes that bound them it was just what was binding them. You think about that. Uh, the only thing that, that God burned off in that trial was the things that burdened them and kept them bound up. So that's the God we serve. Even their clothes weren't even destroyed. That's the same God we serve, folks, and he's going to take care of us, okay? And the result was God was exalted, and there was a decree made by the king that everyone should worship the God of these three Hebrew boys. And they even got promoted in this province of Babylon. So, I mean, you can go read that. That's in Daniel chapter 3. So not only did they survive all this and go through a terrible trial, but at the end of it, they came out even better than they were before, and God was exalted and worshipped. So see, folks, the devil doesn't have a new game. He'll be trying the same old tricks. This is stuff he's going to be trying in Revelation chapter 13 when he makes this image, and it talks, and people have to worship it. God's going to go before us, and we have nothing to fear if God be for us, who can be against us? I had somebody challenge me the other day that uh, there wouldn't be very many people standing up for God, that they, didn't, they wouldn't deny the Antichrist. Uh, but the Bible appears to say different because John saw a great multitude no one could count. Remember in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, And after this I beheld in lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, Kindreds and peoples and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Well, who are these people? Revelation seven fourteen tells us. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So remember, Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, these people, this great multitude, 
There will be people that resist. There will be people that know God. And it will be because of Christians like you that are out there teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to people, that are helping people enter into the kingdom of God, that are helping people understand what it means to be biblically born again. So we've talked about how the enemy's been gathering his army, and and now let's talk about how our Lord will gather his, because this is the really great part, right? There's a lot of scripture that we could use today. Uh, But because of time, I'm going to start with Revelation 16. Okay, remember the seals, the trumpets, and the vials, they all end with the second coming of the Lord and are being gathered with Him in the clouds, okay? But we're going to focus right now, just for the sake of time, Revelation 16, 15 through 19. There's a lot of information here, so follow with me. It says, Behold, I come as a thief, and blessed is he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. Folks, this is talking about the rapture. Remember, the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. But Paul tells us in Thessalonians, we're not children of the night. We're children of the day. So therefore, that day shall not take us as a thief. Well, right here, Jesus says, if you've got a red letter Bible, it says, behold, I come as a thief. Right in the middle of that. And then the very next scripture says, And he gathered them together in a place called in Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial in the air. Now see, this is the seventh vial being poured out. So that happens just before this seventh vial. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great, The great city was divided into three parts, and the city of the nations fell. Now get this. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God. Remember, the three Hebrew children were in the physical Babylon. Now we're talking about mystery Babylon. It's going to be a physical place, but it's mystery Babylon. Great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So for the next two chapters, chapter uh, Revelation 17 and 18, John tells us about Mystery Babylon. It also calls her the great whore and the destruction of Mystery Babylon. Okay, so you can go back and you can read that and you can see that. We have a lot of uh, lessons on that that we can help you understand what Mystery Babylon is and who Mystery Babylon is. But we're going to jump now to Revelation 19 because I want you to see something here. And this is one of those rapture things that I hope some of the people that believe in a pre-trib rapture will take notice of this scripture. Remember, I showed you in 1615, it says, Behold, I come as a thief... It's talking about the rapture. And then we see the destruction of mystery Babylon. Now look at Revelation 19 and notice the heavens are watching the smoke from mystery Babylon rising and they give praise to God because he avenges the blood of his saints. So Revelation 19, 1 through 3 says this. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, Mystery Babylon, which did corrupt the earth with her fornications, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they say, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So they're watching the destruction of Mystery Babylon, and they're celebrating, and then they hear this great multitude, and they turn to see who it is. Revelation 19.6 
And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude. It wasn't there before, folks. They hear it right then. And the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage supper or the marriage of the lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. See, the marriage supper happens then at this point, folks, not seven years prior. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So fine linen is what we wear. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and saith unto me, These are they the true sayings of God. Okay, so after the supper, then we get ready and go to battle. Okay, we get fed and then we go to battle. Revelation 16, 11 through 14. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and righteous with righteousness he doth judge and make war his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god this is jesus folks and the army which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We were just given those fine linens up above at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now it says we come back with them and we're wearing those fine linens. We gather, we prepare, we go to the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14, 1 through 4. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. I was just on the Mount of Olives a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. If you get a chance to go, folks, you need to go. And they spoil, uh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem for battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. We come to this battle at the Mount of Olives. As when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a, a great valley, and half the mountain shall remove toward the north and toward the south, and ye shall flee into the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel, yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and guess who's with him, folks? All the saints with thee. So we don't have to be afraid of what's coming. We just have to have faith. We got to trust the Lord and let him go before us and make sure that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you don't know for sure that your name's written in that Lamb's book of life, we have a free brochure called What Do You Mean Born Again? You can call this ministry at the 1-800 number. You can ask for this free brochure. They will give it to you. Or you can go online at intime.com slash reborn and you can get a copy of it yourself. When you read through that, if you've got questions, call me or Dave. We'll be happy to talk to you about what it means to be born again. And we'll lead you in that right direction. We'll get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks, don't be afraid of what's happening around us. There's chaos everywhere. But you know what? God is on His throne and He's in control. And if our names are in that Lamb's Book of Life, we got nothing to fear. 
So we love you. We thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you tomorrow for Open Line with Dave. Have a great day. God bless.